I'm not sure when it'll be over. The New York City parking time expired will be over in about half an hour. Unless you can put four quarters in, but they give you only a time limit of two hours. Oh, that's not enough. Are we talking about parking today? Probably not. Nope. No? We've been talking about the, the beast, right? And the beast, also known by Paul as the man of lawlessness. And the man of lawlessness was supposed to do something in God's temple. We've been looking for God's temple for like weeks. Have we found God's temple? No. Maybe. We came to a conclusion last week that God's temple in Jerusalem is what? One wall. Is one wall, right? It's basically destroyed. It it's gone. If you go to Jerusalem and you try to find the temple, all you'll find is a wall and a mosque, right? So you're not going to find the temple. But where, where can you find the temple? Is the temple lost? No. Steve? It's in heaven. Where is the temple? It's in Israel, but is it anywhere else? No. Oh, in our hearts. Right, the temple's everywhere, right? The temple's in Carrollton, Texas. It's not in Jerusalem. Or is it, right? Because Paul said that the temple of God is... Know ye not that you are the temple of the living God, right? So we don't have to necessarily go to Jerusalem to find the temple because the temple of God is in every one of our hearts, right? So, but... Does that mean that God has given up on his people? No. No, right? God has not given up on his people, even though his glory departed the temple and the temple was destroyed. The, the temple still is important because God has not given up on Israel. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And we know that God's gift and his call are... Irrevocable. God's gift, God's commitment to Israel is irrevocable, right? He does not take it back. So, where does that leave us? So, if I had this, if I had this class in 800, like the 9th century in the Middle Ages, I'd be like, where is the temple? Where is Israel? You, you, you'd all say, oh, I don't know, because Israel is destroyed, and we're just medieval feudal serfs, right? If I was made the same speech in 1400 or 1500 or 1600, it'd be the same thing over and over and over again, right? Israel is controlled by the Muslims, and um, Europe is controlled by Christians, India is controlled by Hindus, right? All, where are the Jews in all of this story? For 1500, 1600 years? They're scattered, right? They're scattered throughout the world. So I say the same Sunday school class. It gets boring after all. 1700. 1800, then in the 20th century, what starts to happen that makes a difference? So, we talked about what is this, what is this place called? Now it is. Genza? Russia. Russia. The Middle East. The Middle East, right? But this particular spot. Nowadays, geography lesson, Russia. Not Russia. Just kidding. <laughs> Your math is not very good. They used to call it Asia Minor. Nowadays, they call it Turkey, right? Because they eat a lot of turkey there. It's really delicious. No, that's not why they call it Turkey. That is Turkey. 
and they, a group of them took over Israel and took over a lot of these Islamic lands. They conquered Constantinople. They changed its name from Constantinople to Istanbul, right? So that's between Europe and Asia, this, this, this empire took over. And they weren't very, very great. I mean, one thing that they were known for is they destroyed this great capital city of Constantinople. They were the first ones to use, if you like military history, the, the Constantinople was the capital of the eastern part of the Roman Empire. It lasted for a thousand years, and it was one of the most protected areas. It had, I think it's like right on this bit of land, like right between Turkey, between Asia and Europe. It's this tiny little bit of land right there, and it's protected by the sea and by great big gigantic walls. And for centuries, people had tried to destroy it. They couldn't until Turkey came up with a new technolo technology that they hadn't known until that time was gunpowder. They used cannons. And by 1453, we, we had cannons. And they came in and they destroyed it, right? So military history fans, that's, that's kind of the history of that. So that, that happened. They changed Constantinople's name to Istanbul. And that's how it's been going since then. Then, in the 20th century, the first... There was a war in 1914. Anyone know the name of this war? It was 100 years ago. World War I, the first world war, right? In the first world war, you had... Was Hitler involved in the first world war, Saloni? No, right? He, he was in the second one, right? So in the first one, it was like a combination of Germany and and Turkey, actually this Ottoman Empire. And what happened with the Ottoman Empire is they fought with the, the UK and Russia and France and then the United States, and they lost. Turkey lost. In that loss, what happened? Britain was given, the United Kingdom, was given this place as a mandate. What that meant is that they were able to administer the land because the, Turkey, the Ottoman Empire had dissolved and Britain was given that, that territory. In the 19th century, many Jews had been tired of the persecution that they received in Europe, and they realized that they would never get lasting acceptance in Europe, right? So they all started traveling and moving into this area known as Jewish Palestine. And who was living there before, during all those centuries? There was nobody living there? Well, this is the modern day controversy, right? Who was living there? The Arabs were living there, right? For, for many centuries, but Jews were starting to migrate back. So you had this tension situation, and Britain was in control. And then something happened in the 19, early 1940s. This is where Hitler gets involved, right? You had the Second World War, right? The end of the Second World War, Britain was, they won, barely. How did they survive? Because this country came and saved, their, <laughs> saved them, right? It's because the U.S. military saved the British, right? But by the end of that, they were pretty much bankrupt, right? And so countries started to get what? Independence. Can you guys name one country that got its independence shortly after the Second World War? Israel. And? Israel. And another nation that starts with I? Israel. 
India, right, exactly, thank you. You guys might have heard of it, right, India? <laughs> India got its independence too, around the same time, which is weird, because India and Israel have similar, um, similar kind of history, because when India got its independence, what happened to India? Did it all just go di directly as one big happy, happy nation of billion people? What happened to India when it got its independence? What happened in India when it got its independence? Come on, sorry. It was a country. Yeah, but did they go as one country? No. Uh, civil war. What happened? What was the civil war? Civil war between them. Pakistan, right? Right, Pakistan. What? What happened? Right, because there was a starts with a P and ends with an N. Par. Partition, right? Come on, you should know this history. Partition, right? <laughs> there was a partition, right? Because where all the Muslims lived was in the northern part of Pakistan and also in a smaller area known as where we call it now is Bangladesh, right? So that area became its own country because they were majority what? Muslims, right? And uh, the other country became India was majority what? Christian? No. Majority Indian, right? So you gotta pray about that. But the point is that's what happened to India. What happened to Israel? So Israel is something similar, right? But I guess the point I'm making is that Israel also I don't know if I have it right. Okay. Israel was partitioned as well. And there was this West Bank area and Gaza. West Bank West Bank had a lot of food. Muslims, right? And Gaza had Muslims, and this middle area had mostly Jews. This part was actually part of Jordan. Gaza was part of Egypt. When India, when Israel got its independence from Britain, where all the Arabs like, okay, okay, Israel, let me shake your hand. You're a good nation. You will all live together in peace and harmony. Is that what happened, Steve? No, right? Instant war, right? Like, immediately, they had a war. They wanted to push them out into the sea, right? Into the Mediterranean. Did they get destroyed? No, right? They, they survived, and not only that, in 1967, they had what was known as the Six Days War, right? I think you, you gave a message about this, right? Right? In the Six Days War, what happened? Like, all the nations... All the countries converged. Right, they, they tried to destroy Israel, and, what, and God yeah, miraculously saved them, right? And so because of that, what Israel got control over this territory, which was part of Jordan before, this was part of Egypt, Israel got control of the entire territory in 1967. So if you go back, they got a reunion. Jerusalem was reunified under one government, although it's still very much divided, but it's under the control of Israel, starting in June 7, 1967. So, there's a big question I have for all of you. So I've got this image. What's this image? What is it? The flag of Israel. What is this image? Huh? How do you say that in Malayalam? Akti, right? Yeah, right? 
Why am I, have I lost it? What, what, what's going on with this fig tree? What's going on with the fig tree? Let's go to, go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, verse 32. Everything kind of rides on this interpretation of this. People have debated this for many zillions of years. But this is why it's important, right? Because people have been saying, Jesus said, I am coming back soon. I am coming back soon. It's 2,000 years. He's coming back soon, right? Why do we say now he's coming back soon, right? So 24, verse 32. We can start from 30. We'll just keep on reading. Yeah. Why don't you start reading? I'm sorry. 24, verse 30. So what is that? This is the, before we get to the next part, what is this thing? And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds. What is that? What is that? The rapture. The rapture, right? So that's the rapture. Twenty-four, verse thirty-one. And he said, "Send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together the elect, the four winds, one end of the heaven to the other." Okay, keep on going. Now learn the parable from all from the fig tree. The learn the lesson of the fig tree. Okay. Here we go. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Okay. So, so let's go back to the fig tree. The fig tree uh, slide. The, the slide of the fig tree. Yeah. So, my question is, right, is Israel the fig tree? That's question one. Is Israel the fig tree? If Israel is the fig tree, then, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, remember, we've been waiting till 1948. The temple was destroyed in 8070. In 130, they had been destroyed. They had been scattered throughout the whole world, right? We've been waiting for until 1947, right? The 1948, Israel was reborn. Jerusalem reunified 1967. Waited this long. The fig tree looks like it's back. Then it says, I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass away. Now that's the question that everybody's been debating for thousands of years. What generation is he talking about? Because if he's talking about the generation of, that Jesus was talking to, that generation's been dead and buried for a long time. What generation is he talking about? Is he talking about this one? Or the generation that saw 1948? Or the generation that saw 1967. Right? If that's the case, and how long does a generation last? About 80 years. Give or take. 
So, would it be safe to say we won't see the 22nd century? We won't make it past 2050? Because if you add 80 years to 1967, that's like somewhere in the 2040s. Or if it's 1948, it's somewhere in the 2020s. So does that mean, should I just give it up and say, hey, it's over, right? It's gonna come to an end? I don't think so, right? Because, caution, Matthew 24, 36, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, right? So I guess there's a very much a temptation to get way too involved in all of these numbers and figures and say, well, I know when it's going to happen. The reality is we don't know when it's going to happen, right? But concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angel of heaven nor the sun, which is intriguing. How can, how can the sun not know? This is a question that we had about Trinity, right? Like, what do you mean the sun doesn't know? I think, again, it could be in the Jesus in his humanity was saying that he had given up that knowledge or he didn't, he didn't have that at that moment. But it could also be, if we go to the next, next slide, we're trying to figure out when the end is. What are the signs, right? What's another sign? In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Peter quotes Joel as saying, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So, you know what this is an image of? What, this is a, what they're talking about here? The apostolic faith, faith Pentecost has come. What's going on in that picture? No idea? It's the early 20th century. It's the Azusa Street Revival. Right? The Azusa Street Revival starts happening in the early part of this century, in, in the early part of the 1900s. They, in, in a way that they hadn't seen before, right? Like the, the Pentecostal movement was always there, right? When did Pentecost happen? It didn't happen in 1900. It happened in Acts chapter 2, right? When they were all together in that beautiful accord, right? So they were all together. That happened on Acts 2. But in the early part of this century, we're seeing a revival that we didn't see before in previous centuries. So we've got the nation of Israel that we didn't see before, right? Now we're seeing this new latter-day revival that we didn't see before, right? We're seeing it in, in, in India, which we are all witnesses of, right? We saw, like, for centuries, India had this kind of orthodox religion going on for many years, and you saw in this century... A new, a new revival happen. Is that a sign of the end? Next thing is, Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And, and then in 2 Peter 3, verse 3 to 8. Above all, you must understand. Uh, this is a good one. 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Why don't we go there? Second Peter three verse three. Mm -hmm. 
Second Peter, three, verse three. We can just read it. Uh, why don't you read it, Steve? Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of this of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Whereby the world uh, that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So, two days yeah. have passed. Yeah. Right, we're in the third day. Uh, I don't know. Again, don't get, don't get too mathematical. It's dangerous. But, okay, so a day is like a thousand years. So it hasn't been, hasn't been long. But the, the next thing, keep on going. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, uh, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth... Did we miss no, we, nine? Can we go back to nine? Yeah. The Lord is, is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all shall should come to repentance. Yeah, so the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise... As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, one of the reasons I can ask you guys is, Christopher, why hasn't Jesus come back? Because he's waiting for us all to repent? Yeah. <laughs> You've got it right on the... <laughs> right, exactly. Right? So, Jesus... Hey, you want to pick a class? <laughs> Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? He's preparing a home for us. That's true too. But what does this verse say? It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, right? So, you know, have they, they ever heard the saying, um, the coming of the, if the coming of the Lord tarries, right? What do you, what do you get when you go to um, class? And you don't show up on time. Tardy. What happens? Tardy. You get a tardy. So Terry. Tardy. Tardy. Does Jesus get a tardy slip? No, never. So Jesus is not taking his time here. He's not being slow. It's not that the alarm clock hasn't come off. <laughs> right? It's not that he's too busy. There's something that's... Preventing him, almost. Pause. What? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand. Slowness. What's preventing him from coming back? Priscilla, what's preventing his coming back? That all men should repent. So he's not coming back. Patience. His patience, his mercy. So it's like, Jesus, come back soon. It's like that, I think a man of God came and sp spoke that one time. It's like, like, Jesus comes back today, 
are we all going to be ready? And the other side of that is, the reason why Jesus hasn't come back yet is that He's Jesus is a, good, is a good master, right? He's given us an assignment. To finish. And have we finished the assignment? No. No, right? The church mission is still ongoing. The church still has a mission. That's why the rapture hasn't happened yet. No, it will finish. That's the point, right? If it will never finish, then we're, we're stuck here for all eternity, right? The, the point is, the, it's coming to an end, but when will it come, right? So, yeah, that's a that, well, we, we were talking about that earlier, about this potentially being the last generation. All right. Can we go back to the slide? We're going to end pretty quick. Um, that slide. All right. Yeah. So, the gospel has to be preached to everyone. And this is not something I did. I got this off the web. But status of world evangelization in 2019. So it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And if you look at that, there's a, according to these guys, among ethnicities, 42% of all groups of people I may have to look into all their numbers and what exactly they mean. But 42% of all people have not been reached yet. So we've got a lot of work to do. The mission is still very much in play. In India, is the, sadly, is the most in need. 25, 60 different ethnicities or groups. Wow, that's a lot of different groups. In terms of percentage, huh? Pakistan and Nepal are worse. Yeah, 90%. Uh, Nepal is 97%. All of these countries have something in common, except for China. They're all South Asia. So it's like, among all the groups of people in the world, you guys are the worst. No. Huh? <laughs> it's like, hey, <laughs> that's not nice. But in a sense, uh, I'm not wrong, exactly. Right? These four... Four countries are all South Asian countries, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nepal, and all of these countries are the worst of the lot, right? In terms of groups of unreached. I mean, I think that's because those cultures have so many different languages, and so many different religions, and so many different ethnicities that they've been unreached. And this gives you a better breakdown. You know, heard and not responded, virtually no exposure, all these different types of groups that haven't heard yet. And the question is, why haven't they heard yet? Is it because we haven't had enough translations? And Yeah, that's part of it. Is there not enough people going from their ethnic groups to preach the gospel to them? I mean, you look at India. How long has there been Christianity in India? Five years. Like, since Thomas, right? Like, so many of our white co-workers will say, oh, when did you get converted from Hinduism, right? And it'd be like... No, that's <laughs> not how it happened, right? My father, my grandfather, as far as I understand, they were all Christian. But, India is still like, what, 10%? Maybe? 2%? Is what the numbers that people say? Oh what, is it, what is the percentage? 4%? 5%. So if we're thinking, come Lord Jesus, like we end every service with, you know, right? Jesus, come back soon. I still think there's a whole lot of ways and work that we have. And like, what's our platform? What's our way? Because 
It's Jesus said, I'm not coming back until the gospel has been preached to everyone. 